الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد الله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الوحد وأكرمني بنور الفهد اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن أمك رحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين. As you remember, we study Unit 7, which is about felicity or happiness. And Alhamdulillah, we finished the part about personal happiness. And now we want to talk about the second and last part, which is about social happiness. How Islam brings happiness to a society or community that follows its plan. We human beings are made in the way that we need to live together. Philosophers have lots of discussion about this, you know, whether we are created as a social animal, so this is part of our nature. You know, Muslim scholars, you know, use this term, al-insanu madaniyun bitabar. Madani, it comes from Medina, means human beings by nature are social. They need to live in a society. Madaniyun bitabar. Means this is part of our fitrah. Like even some animals that they live together, like insects, you know, some like ants, for example, they live together, bees live together. Human beings also live together, and otherwise they don't feel happy. Some say, no, we don't live together as part of our nature or a requirement of our nature, but this is a decision that we have made because we have lots of needs and we cannot take care of all of our needs. So needs have pushed us to this direction that we should live together. And in society, we can better you know, meet our needs. And in this process, of course, we help each other. It's not just we receive, but we help each other. So there are different opinions about this, but for sure, there is at least a tendency in us or a fetri inclination towards living together. There are aspects of humanity that would not flourish unless we live together. When we were talking about fetra, you know, we were saying that <coughs> We want to love and to be loved. It's very important to have this sense of belonging to people that you love. You don't want to be with the people that you don't love, but you also want to be with the people that love you, to love and be loved. 
And as you may remember, you know, I mentioned this sentence from Dua, uh, you know, Ziyara Aminullah. Part of Ziyara Aminullah is Dua. Allahumma ja'al nafsi mutma'innatan biqadarik, radiyatan biqadaik. And then we reach this point. Muhibbatan lissaffati awliya'ik, mahbubatan fi ardika wa samaik. Please include me and make me one of those people that love your chosen friends and are loved in your sky and the earth means not only people love them even angels love them even perhaps rest of creatures love them because i think even none uh, human beings would appreciate a lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even nature would appreciate because they are made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then anyone who is a lover of Allah, they are happy, they welcome. So there is such inclination in us towards social life, towards something that we will be happy to belong to. Saadi, a very famous Iranian poet, has said something which has become very well known in the world, all over the world. And it's also put on the wall of the United Nations headquarters in New York. I have seen it myself. Uh, he says, Bani Adam Yek Digarand. Children of Adam are organs of the same body. They are like different parts of one body. In creation, they come from the same substance, from the same jewelry. We are not created from different things, different material, whether it's body or soul. We have the same origin and same materials used for us. بنی آدم اعضای یک دیگرند که در آفرینش زیک گوهرند چو عضوی به درد آورد روزگار دگر عضوها را نماند قرار If one part of this body is in pain the rest of body would not be comfortable they cannot have rest so, if we in our city, or in our country, or in our continent, or in any part of the world, have someone who suffers, we cannot feel happy and comfortable and say, okay, Alhamdulillah, it's not my family, or my city, or my country. No. Any part of the world. If any human being suffers, we as human beings cannot be happy. We cannot be comfortable. We cannot have rest. Ayatollah Mutahari says, Saadi is indeed inspired by hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa In which he said, 
مثل المؤمنين في توادهم وتراحمهم وتعاطفهم كمثل جسد كمثل الجسد مثل الجسد believers in their love for each other in their sympathy in their affection like they are like one body when one part of body has pain the rest of body would support that part with fever and not sleeping you know, imagine you have headache it's not that only your head has problem and the rest of body is okay you see sometimes all body has fever fever is not only in what part of body yeah it's not local. All over body you will get fever, even if one part has problem. Or all body cannot sleep. So Rasulullah said, Mu'minin are like this. They're like one body. Of course, when we say Mu'minin are like one body, this doesn't mean that it's limited to Mu'minin. But Mu'minin have very a strong sense of this. But a mu'min would have this sense even with other human beings. Even a mu'min has this sense with nature. As a mu'min, can you relax if an animal is hungry or thirsty? Even not human being. Imagine you know there is an animal who is hungry or thirsty. You cannot relax. Even our scholars have made very clear fatwa it's not just opinion in akhlaq it's fatwa and i have quoted in my paper about environmental ethics that how our ulama have said that providing food and medicine and shelter for animals is wajib even if that animal doesn't belong to you Imagine your neighbor has a cow. For example, you are in village, your neighbor has a cow or has a goat and cannot feed that cow or goat properly. He's poor and doesn't have you know, enough land to feed that animal. You must feed that animal. Give him food, money to feed his animal. You cannot say, it's not mine, I don't have any responsibility. So a mu'min feels connected to the whole creation. It is true that we have levels of responsibility. First, you make sure that your family are okay. You cannot forget your family and help the neighbor. Yes, you can reduce what you use inside home to give to others. But not by cutting the food or drink or dress or education of your children and then helping other people because you can make it uh, difficult for yourself you can sacrifice your comfort but you cannot sacrifice on behalf of your family so what is reasonable i'm not saying luxury but what is reasonable you should give them don't say you know i don't want to give my children i want to give other people
your first responsibility is with your family. Then people who are closer, like neighbors, people of the same neighborhood, people of the same town, then people of the same province, people of the same... Because if in this way everyone acts, then we make sure that no one is left out near us, and then we all together cover every part of the world. But if I sit here and forget people in my town, and then go and help other people where I am not how to help them and there may be duplication you know so it will create disorder so it's very logical that you start step by step but there is no limit for our concern just we have limit in resources and we have to have a strategy in distribution of resources and sharing but for our concern there is no limit we have concern for the well-being of all people and even all animals, all birds, even jungles, forests, we have concern. It doesn't need to be an animal or bird, even if it's a plant, we have concern. So, this is the way that Islam looks at people and all creation. But right now, our focus is on human beings and human society. Islam says that you have to take care of each other's needs. And again, when I'm quoting you now this hadith from Rasulullah, although it is about Muslims, but it's not limited to Muslims. But because in Medina, everyone was a Muslim, so they were addressed. But anyone in our, we have lots of hadith that, for example, a non-Muslim who was in need Ahlul Bayt said, you should look after them. Why you left them without care? If something happens like this, we all are responsible. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man asbaha la yahtammu bi umur al-muslimin falaysa bi muslim. If someone starts his day while he does not care about Muslim affairs, he's not a Muslim. A Muslim is not only taking care of his own business, his own family, his own well-being, his own, I don't know, progress. You have to be <coughs> caring about all Muslims. So, this is a great foundation for Islamic community that everyone feels part of it, feels it, he belongs to it and is responsible for it and in some of my lectures I have mentioned also that actually this is part of your community that makes your identity. If I ask you what is your identity, you cannot explain your identity without referring to the community and leadership that you belong to. You cannot just say, I am so-and-so, my father, my mother, or so-and-so, my grandfather, this is my belief. No. Also, to which community you belong, and who is your imam? These are part of our identity. And this is why on the Day of Judgment, we are all called, not just by our names, or not just by our faith, 
we are called by our Imam. يَوْمَ نَدْعُوا كُلَّ أُنَاسٍ بِإِمَامِهِمْ Everyone, whether good or bad, whether they have good Imam or bad Imam, good leader or bad leader, they will be called by their name, the name of their Imam. And when you call the name of Imam, it means that then Aqidah is clear, Akhlaq is clear, community is clear, everything becomes clear. Because everyone, you know, you want to know about me. Yeah? Everything that you want to know about me, if I tell you who is my Imam, you know. In a true sense, not in a claim, you know, that I claim that my Imam, no. In dunya we claim, you know, but in akhirah it's a matter of reality. If in akhirah you want to see who am I, what was my concern, what type of things I did, it will be just enough for you to see on the day of judgment behind whom I stand. That's explaining everything for you. Hopefully in dunya also should be like this. In dunya, if I told, tell you that I am a Shia of Amirul Mu'mineen, it should tell you everything. You don't need to do any investigation further about me. If I tell you I am a Shia of Ali, that must be more than enough. But unfortunately, many people claim, and I may be one of them, we claim but we are not true followers. That's the problem. We say we are Muslim, but we may not be true Muslim. But in Akhirah, then people will be assembled and they stand before their Imam. And I have mentioned some hadith about this in the lectures about collective nature of Wilayah. You can refer there. Right, um, so, someone's Imam can be like um, money or fame or something like that. People. People who may have the same ideology like them. For example, some people stand behind Fir'aun. And Quran says, يَقْدُمُ قَوْمَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فَأَوْرَدَهُمُ النَّارِ He would lead his people on the Day of Judgment and takes them to hell. Quran says, those who were followed, the bad imams, bad leaders, they would try to distance themselves from their people. They say, you know, we don't want your, you know, association. Go away from us. You know, Pharaoh has no love for his people. He says, go away. I have my own problems. I don't want to be <laughs> responsible for you. Is tabarra alladina tobi'u. Tobi'u means followed. Those who are followed will distance themselves from whom? Those who tabi'u. They followed them. Then, when people who followed such people see they don't love them, and of course they already know this, but especially after this, they say, Ya layta lana karratan. We wish we had opportunity to go back to dunya and distance ourselves from them in the way that they now distance themselves from us. We wish we were able to go to dunya and find a good leader. We shouldn't, follow, we shouldn't have followed Pharaoh and Namrud. But unfortunately it doesn't work. So this is why 
on the day of judgment, although people are first assembled as individuals, it's a very important point in the lectures on Velaya, I have explained. First, you are assembled as individuals. Quran says, Kullun fardan. You come first as an individual. But then you will be assembled. A call will be made. Then people will join their leaders, stand behind their leaders. And then when they go to heaven or hell, they go not as individuals. They go as group, as community. Zomar is plural for Zomra, is group. So you are resurrected first as individual, and then you will join the people that you have been in dunya following them. A community will be assembled, and then as a community you go to heaven, inshallah. And there is hadith from Imam Sadiq alayhi salam, I mentioned in that lecture that we stand behind Rasulullah and you stand behind us. Then he asked, Where do you think you will be taken? And then he said, he said three times, by the Lord of Kaaba, you will be taken to heaven. Just we need to prove that we are their followers, true followers. That's the main concern. Okay, so community life is so important that as a member of the community, you would not even have your own identity defined without reference to your community and to your imam, to your leadership. It's very important. If you look at the Quran as the main source and also our hadith, you find that Islam gives more attention to the social aspect of our life than to the personal life. You know, a sad reality is that in many religions, social aspect of life is neglected by people. I'm not saying by religions, but many religious people. They have forgotten, they have neglected the social side. The focus is more on personal side. Even if you are talking about akhlaq, it's more about personal. But... Islam puts lots of emphasis on social side as well. Maybe more emphasis on the social side. Although the personal side is very important and that's the beginning and that's the foundation. You cannot be a good member of community without being a good person. You cannot have a good society without having good members. But in the end, we have to reach the point that we have good society, not only good individual you know each individual is like a brick these bricks have to be solid but you don't want to just have bricks you want to have a castle 
a house, a school, a place of worship, a palace. Yeah, you don't just want to have, you know, millions of bricks. In some of my lectures about social aspects of Islamic spirituality, I have explained that greatest beauty of Islam would be visible when we have a Muslim community or society that observes Islam. You know, if you have a very good Muslim as a person, it's amazing, it's very beautiful. You know, some of our great scholars, when we read about their life, we are very inspired, we are very moved. Even non-Muslims, when they hear about them, they are moved as a person. But imagine if these good persons get together and form a community which from every aspect is run by Islamic value. Relation inside home is based on Islam. Their con energy consumption is according to Islam. Their usage of food is according to Islam. The way they take care of their body or soul is according to Islam. Their relation with neighbors, poor, I don't know. How they treat you know, people who are ill, how they treat people who suffer, how they do, run their businesses, how they treat their clients, how they work in workplaces. If everything is according to Islamic values, then the beauty of this, compared to the beauty of a very good person, is a million times more, if not billion times more. People in the world starve for seeing a model of a good community, that from every aspect is good, not just good individuals. So, Great emphasis is put in the Quran on social side. Allah has a very striking statement. He says in Islam, everything has a social dimension. Everything. He doesn't want even to say social part is greater. He says everything has social dimension. Even your Daily prayer has social dimension. Reflect, you know, on what we say in Salat. You say your Salat maybe alone, but you know that it's much better to say it in Jama'ah. Yeah? Salat is better to be said in Jama'ah. But even if you say it alone, you say, Iyaka na'bud. You don't say when you are alone and when you go to mosque you say <laughs> or you don't say and then in the mosque you repeat whether you are at home or in the mosque you say what does it mean? it means that a Muslim whether he's alone or in the community his mentality is mentality of community we, not me forget me Yes, when you need to sacrifice me, not we. When we want to volunteer me, I am at your service. But if there is anything good, us, not me. If it goes to us, then it will be distributed and I will receive my share. 
But if I just wanted to bring it to me, that's the problem. Anything is good must go for us. At the end, Assalamu alayya or Assalamu alayna. Assalamu alayna. Assalamu alaykum. Na and kum. Not alayya alayka. Alayna. Assalamu alaykum. In du'as, sometimes you ask for yourself. But most of the time, we should ask for community and for humanity. For example, I have mentioned in the paper on Wilayah. Allahumma inna nashku ilayka faqda nabiyyina Dua yuftata wa ghaybata waliyyina We complain to you about the absence of our wali and missing our prophet. We don't have our prophet, and our, we have our imam, but is we miss him? He's in Ghaiba. We have many enemies. Our number is little. Many calamities happen to us. So it's me or we. It's we. And then we say, Allahumma inna nargabu ilayka fi dawlatan kareema. Tu'izzu biha al-islam wa ahlah. Wa tudillu biha al-nifaq wa ahlah. Wa taj'aluna fiha min al-du'at ila ta'atik. Wa al-qadat ila sabilik. Wa tarzuquna biha karamat al-dunya wa lah. It's all us. And this us is not against others. No. We want good for everyone. This is to move from me to community, and then you care for humanity. In Ziyarat Aminullah, at the end also you say, Anta ilahi wa sayyidi wa mawlai. You are my master, you are my guardian, you are my lord. And then you ask few things from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say, Allahumma kuffa anna a'da anna, washgaluhum an avana. Please protect us from our enemies and make them busy so that they cannot annoy us. Washgaluhum an avana means make them busy so that they cannot annoy us. Wa adhir kalimat al haqqi wa jalha al ulya, wa adhir kalimat al baatli wa jalha al sufla. Please make the word of truth prevail and overcome, and word of falsehood to go down. You don't see someone is thinking about car and house or you know money. You see someone who has great concern for humanity and for the community of the believers. And you find many many examples like this. So, Allah Tabatabai is right when he says. Everything in Islam has social aspect, social dimension. Although we don't forget the personal 
development, personal success, because society cannot be there without individuals. In the book, then, there is a discussion about Tawheed as the basis and foundation of all teachings. I have said many times that it's not, wrong, uh, it's not uh, right to think that we have many principles in Islam and Tawheed is one of them. This is not right. If someone asks you, for example, what is your Usul al-Din? Or what is your Usul al-Mazhab? You can say, you know, three or five, you know, three Usul al-Din or five Usul al-Mazhab, whatever. But it's wrong to think that Tawheed is one, and then we have, for example, Nubuwa, and then we have Ma'ad, and then we have, you know, Ashia, Adl, and Imama. No. It is true that we believe in all these things, but nothing comes next to Tawheed. Tawheed is the most fundamental thing for us. Tawheed is the foundation, is the basis, is our root. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not for us something, you know, like other things that we have to believe. To believe in Allah, the one, is the most important thing. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say in Mecca, Gulu la ilaha illallah tuflahu. He was not giving a list of, you know, 10, 20, 100 things. He was saying, just say la ilaha illallah tuflahu. Of course, if you commit yourself to la ilaha illallah, then under that, other things come. But nothing as equal as, you know, something at the same rank as Tawheed. You know the hadith of Silsilatul Zahab, Imam Raza alayhi salam in Neishabur, when he was asked by thousands of people who were not Shia. Majority were not Shia. Great majority were not Shia. Maybe Shia were less than, you know, a few percent. These were our Sunni brothers. Very respectful to Ahlul Bayt, full of love for Imam, a son of Prophet who stood for Islamic spirituality, knowledge, wisdom, taqwa. They loved him. So they asked him, please give us hadith. Now you imagine if you have this historical moment that thousands of people are ready there to listen to you. And you want to say one thing. What do you say? Imam Raza salam, with his wisdom, he chose Tawheed. Kalimatu la ilaha illallah hisni. Faman dakhala hisni, amina The word of Tawheed, the word of unity of God, is my fortress. Whoever enters, this is Allah saying, Hadith here, whoever enters my fortress would be saved from my punishment. Then Imam moved and stopped again. Perhaps to make it clear that this is not part of the Hadith. This comes under the Hadith, like a footnote. 
like a commentary, that there are conditions. There are shurut, and I am one of the conditions. So if you believe in Tawheed in full sense, then your leadership also should be influenced, should be informed, shaped by Tawheed. Your busyness, your family life, your education should be receiving light of Tawheed. So, Tawheed is the foundation for all Islamic teachings. And therefore, we are fully committed to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know that if we try to please Him, we have done the best for ourselves and others because He doesn't need anything personal from us. To please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to see what He expects from us. And when we read the Quran and Hadith, and even when you use your aql, you realize that Allah expects from you to be an instrument to bring good to the world, to bring light to the world, to bring peace to the world, to bring unity to the world, to bring well-being to the world. Is there anyone who has doubt about this? Maybe Allah wants me to bring tension to the world, conflict to the world, ignorance to the world, darkness to the world, poverty to the world. No, it's very clear. We have to bring good things to the world. And this is religion. Maybe someone is not consciously believing in God. But if they know what we mean by God and what we have to do to please God, I think everyone would be happy. Uh, on 6 February, I had a meeting with uh, an academic delegation from Czech Republic in Cologne. They were there for a short-term program in another place, but uh, uh, it happened that I also was there you know, when I went to receive the book award. So we had very good session, and Alhamdulillah, just today I put it online. I received the recording. We had question and answer, and many people in the Czech Republic, I was told that they may not be religious because of, you know, Soviet time, you know. But we had very good discussion, and at the end we felt very close to each other in our hearts. And I told them what we mean by God. I said some of the things that people deny as God, we also deny. <laughs> you know, we don't believe in God who is destructive, who is damaging, who is, you know, after, you know, killing and, you know, blood, you know. The God of Daesh is not our God. God that we believe is God of Rasulullah and Amirul Mu'minin and Imam Hussein. God which is full of love, who is Kafur, who is Rahim, who has so much love for us that we would not have for ourselves. He loves us much more than we love ourselves. So, if you have time, you know, listen to this lecture. Uh, first is about characteristics of Islam, then there is question and answer, especially some, you know, issues that relate to the understanding of religion today. So, uh, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be instrument for good. And this good has no limit. Bring good to yourself. Develop yourself. Become an educated person. Become a person who is skillful. A person who is tranquil. A person who is respected. As much as possible, make yourself you know, successful. No limit. We are against selfishness, but selfishness is different from developing yourself. Actually, those who are selfish, they don't develop themselves. They harm themselves. You know, those who are selfish is like someone who finds you know, a delicious food and then wants to eat too much. <laughs> we need balance. If you want to develop yourself, you have to avoid selfishness. Otherwise, you would be obsessed with yourself and you would damage yourself. I mentioned this example in a meeting in Glasgow. Uh, in the last visit of Glasgow, and Alhamdulillah, I received very good comments about this example. I said there was a person who wanted to cross a river, and he was riding a horse. Water was very clean and was still no wave, no problem, very clean. But the horse was not happy to cross the river, he was stuck. No matter how much he tried, he was not, the horse was not moving. Then a sage was passing by and saw him and came to help him. So he put his hand in water and moved his hand quickly and made water a little bit muddy. Then the horse started moving. So this person was shocked, this young person, you know, said, what did you do? What type of mojiza was this? He said, no, there was no mojiza. When water was clean, it was like a mirror and the horse was looking at water seeing himself was enjoying seeing himself and when you see yourself and enjoy yourself you don't move <laughs> you know if you spend all day in front of mirror either physical mirror or maybe spiritual mirror and just you enjoy yourself mashallah oh allah what have you created in me i am amazed with your creation every perfection you have given me I am the best person in the world. When you think like this, you are not moving because you don't need to move. You think you have already have got everything. Other people have to move to reach you. My husband or wife have to be better so that they appreciate me better. My brothers and sisters have to improve so that they appreciate me better. I don't know why people don't understand me. They don't know what gift Allah has given them in me. <laughs> If you think like this, you are not moving. So, we have to get rid of selfishness. And then you can become good for yourself. Really good, not just superficially. And good for everyone else. There is no way to be good for yourself unless you are good for others. And there is no way to be good for others unless you are good for yourself. 
You cannot compromise your spirituality to help people. You cannot compromise your taqwa to help people. And you cannot forget others to look after your taqwa. These come together because this is Tawheed. Everything is connected. This is one world. If you serve Allah, you have to help people. You have to help yourself. If you help yourself, you have to help people. Everything is connected. So, let's stop here. And inshallah, we, I, I was hoping to finish today, but I think we need one more session. And then inshallah, we may be able to finish. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us to understand Islam properly and to bring the light of Islam to our life. And then inshallah, through us, that light will be reflected, inshallah, to people who are in touch with us. Wa